David Locke coming up here in a couple of minutes. He will join us and talk about the Jazz. Actually, he is going to join us right now, apparently. David Locke, his weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. And David joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning is underway. You can take advantage of their save now, pay later promotion, and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out the best estate award winner, Smart Rain, at smartrain.net. David, good morning. Good morning, David and Patrick. What Ooh. is up? Well, the Jazz are, again, by 20. We're undefeated in the second quarter. And nobody else is. I know. 29 teams have a loss, and the Jazz are 4-0. And they have dispatched some of these teams with ease, as certainly they did with the Houston Rockets. And so I'm curious how much you see, how many things you really believe, and how much you're waiting for a better test. And there could be a couple of them this weekend with the Bulls on Saturday and then the Bucks, the defending champs, on Sunday. Uh, what do you know for sure, and what do you expect to start learning with better competition this weekend? Well, I mean, I think uh, both can be true, right? So... You can, we can see some things and learn some things and at the same time be pretty honest about who we've played. But what was eye-opening to me was we, Ron Boone and I on the plane always watch our opponent's last game. So we watched Houston play Dallas. And in that game, Dallas is pretty good, right? Uh, Houston ran up and down the floor. They were athletic. They are quick. Uh, they they were running it down Dallas's throat. They were getting early looks. They were able to run their sets. Um, they had some old school sets in there. You know, kind of Ron was like, "Oh, look at Silas go old school." Um, that you know, you could see what Houston was trying to do as a team, and none of that, none of that, took place last night. And that's not just because Houston was off, which they you know they probably were, but. It was because of the way the Jazz play and how they impact the game. The, the Jazz just dictate the game. They're that so they're that good. Like the level of difference between what I would say is Dallas versus Utah right now is that Dallas is talented enough that they'll go beat Houston. Utah's so good that they actually changed the game and Houston couldn't play. Houston wants to get out and run. They played eighty eight percent of their possessions in the half court last night. League average is eighty. They want to be at about seventy six. Uh, they have to get out. And then they scored about 0.5 points per half-court possession, which is you know crazy low. So, you know, I think that's what my takeaway was last night, is that the Jazz are just so good that they dictate the games. And they do the same thing to the Thunder. And really, when it got down to it, they did the same thing to the Kings. Do you have or what are your early season expectations for this team? Oh, I mean, I think they're better than everybody else. I mean, or as good as, I mean, like, there's, they're better than most people. So my early season expectations is that they just, that they win and that they, um, you know, do we beat Chicago and Milwaukee? I don't know. And do we beat Miami and there's, I don't remember, this, Atlanta? I don't know. Those teams are pretty good. You're, if you if you are favored to win in those games, you're going to be favored by one or two. Certainly not at Milwaukee and probably not at Miami. So you you can lose some of these and, it's not. I don't think it's that big a deal. Um, I don't expect us to actually go into Milwaukee and win, Atlanta and win, and Miami and win this year. Um, but you know, for the most part, I think we're going to win. The signature of Quinn Snyder's teams have been 
that we beat lesser opponents at a very high rate, and I would suspect that that continues. And then you're just keeping, you know, Quinn's just on this improvement kick that they're working to, to get better at things. And uh, But they have such continuity uh, that that they there are fewer obvious things to work on for the Jazz than most teams. The starting lineup started 70th game together last night over since they've been together since 1920. That's the most of any starting unit in the NBA since 1920. Number two is Dallas, excuse me, is Denver, but it's the lineup that has Gary Harris and Paul Millsap in it. So they're just going to continue to stretch this, you know, most starts of any group. Now, other teams will get them, but as of right now, the Jazz just have a continuity that other teams don't have. Um, and even if you think about it, we've returned our top seven guys. And I was talking to Justin Zanuck about this uh, at midcourt last night before the game. Did, you know, if we go back to the Stockton Malone era, I'm not sure they were returning their top seven guys very often. Like, I feel like we traded, you know, maybe for, for a little bit there, but, you know, Howard Isley took a little bit of a run in the backup point guard thing that was changing. And we had Greg Foster and we had Antoine Carr and we had our various backup bigs that kind of played in and out. And we had, that run of Chris Morris, David Benoit, Brian Russell group that may or may not have, you know, I'd have to go back and look if we really had the same group ever. But we've had the same seven-man rotation now for three seasons. So the Jazz are 4-0. and They're the only undefeated team. The Bulls are in the next group. They are 4-1. and Now, they've beaten the Pistons twice, the Pelicans and the Raptors. That's not the toughest group of teams ever. They just lost to the Knicks. Crazy finish as they score 12 in a row but needed 14 to win the game, so they end up losing by a point. How good are the Bulls, and what do you expect the Jazz to do in Chicago? Um, I mean, I think they're an Eastern Conference play-in team, maybe. I don't think they're the sixth-best team, but maybe Boston doesn't look very good, so maybe they're, the, maybe they're a playoff team. Um, they've, you know, they've improved their talent level a great deal. I think we saw in one of their wins earlier where Zach Levine had the highest usage rate in the fourth quarter of any player in the league last year, and I think number two in the clutch behind Donovan. And, you know, you saw DeMar DeRozan make some plays, just frees up the burden. And you've seen overall on that roster, kind of interestingly with Vukovic, DeMar DeRozan, and Levine, all three players who has the number one option on bad teams have been heavily criticized for being inefficient suddenly have their usage rate drop and their efficiency increase, and they all suddenly look like way better players when they're surrounded by other players. So I think they're, they're, they're good. They're really long. And this is maybe if you were to ask me my number one concern on us and there's nothing we can do about it, that's how small we are. And, um, you know, Rudy's mammoth, and he covers up a lot of stuff, and Whiteside's doing a great job of that also. But we're just not very big. And... Size is king in this league, and you're seeing it even in Cleveland right now. Cleveland's starting basically three seven-footers, and nobody can score on them. Like that, they're going in and surprising everyone because you go up and play them, and when they have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley and Laurie Markin, and not three like great players all in the court at the same time, there's absolutely no room. And when they roll out, you know, Lonzo Ball's, what, 6'5", Alex Crusoe's 6'5", DeMar DeRozan's about 6'6", and then um, Vukovic is seven feet, and Zach Levine's you know six. That, depending on you know their guard line is going to be long, and then obviously they're they're kind of missing that Thaddeus Young four piece. And Patrick Williams hurt his wrist last night. He's six nine, 
So maybe they're going to have to play smaller and it won't be as big a problem. But, you know, then we go for Brooke Lopez plays. When you go play Milwaukee, they're seven feet, seven feet. I mean, they're mammoth um, with Giannis and Brooke. So that, those are the one things that – that's the one thing that I look at on us is we're, we're just – we're not very big, and we haven't been. It's been a problem, and we're not going to grow. So we're just going to have to figure it out. I thought sometimes when Joe came off the bench, he wasn't as effective as he was as a starter. But so far, coming off the bench, obviously the Sacramento game doesn't count because of what happened. But otherwise, he's been very effective playing at a high level. It's just a small sample, obviously. But coming off the bench this season seems to be more comfortable. Do you think there's something to that? That's a good point, PK. He was great last night, wasn't he? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I feel as though he's running a little less pick and roll, um, which I like. Um, I just, he's nice about pick and roll and the, you know, the fake and scoop is great. And there's some things he does well, but he's not actually better at that than our other guys. So it's a nice third option. If that makes sense. But if you actually look at the numbers, like he's good, he's just as good as Mike Conley and, Donovan Mitchell, but he's way better as a shooter. Do you understand? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So if Joe comes off the pick and roll and is driving and working the pick and roll, and somebody else is in Joe's spot as a shooter, that's a downgrade. But Joe as the ball handler is equal to Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, or even Jordan Clarkson as the ball handler in the pick and roll. So I love what I'm seeing right now, which is a little less pick and roll from Joe. It's a little less burden. More catch and shoot, more early catch and shoot. He's the number one player in the NBA in effective field goal percentage in the first seven seconds of the clock over the last four seasons. So get out early, take it early, get out and 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 use your. Sh- He's a fifty percent catch and shoot shooter, fifty percent. And I would say the biggest problem with this catch and shoot game is he can't pass to himself. So I think there's a little of that going on. I don't know that Joe. I think Joe likes to have the ball in his hand, so there's going to have to be a little dance there. Um, but, I, yeah, I think he's been great so far this year and um, seems in a really good place. Um, he can be grumpy and doesn't seem it. David Locke joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz are playing back-to-back, and we were just talking about Mike Conley, are they going to have him play back-to-backs and reduce the minutes in them? Are they likely to sit him for one of the two games? If so, do you have an idea which one? How do you think they are going to use Mike and try to protect his health? Because nobody wants him out for two, three, four weeks because of hamstring issues. My understanding, though I've not been told officially, is that Mike will not play back-to-backs this year. Um, It seemed like it worked pretty well last year. So I'm not sure why you would change it. So that seems it's just kind of almost implied around the group. Um, and then whether it's Trent Forrest or Jared Butler will be interesting to watch. Uh, Butler obviously brings the scoring. Trent brings the defense and passing. Uh, it's so interesting to watch these two guys. If you could combine them into one, they'd be Drew Holiday. Probably better. I mean, they really are. Like, like Trent's got all the strength and really good vision passing and um, gets in the lane beautifully and Jared's got the handle and step back three and just natural catch and shoot. And, and if you combine those, you'd have just one heck of a player. Um, so I think my, I would guess Mike sits against Milwaukee only because I don't think you're manipulating the schedule. That just you take it as it is. There's a funky one for us, by the way. Our back end of back-to-backs this year are against all of the best teams in the NBA. Like if you run down the list, they're like, Milwaukee, Miami, I think, um, the Lakers, 
a Denver back-to-back. It's all the best teams in the NBA in the back end of back-to-backs. Um, and they're all at Brooklyn, and they're almost all on the road, um, which are games that you weren't really expected to win in the first place. So it's an interesting question of whether you doctor the schedule to try to go win those games in some way, which I actually would be against because I think beating Houston's just as important. Um, and then, or whether you just play the schedule as it is and Mike sits out on those back end, the back-to-backs against the best teams. How much do you think the 4-0 start is attributed to Mike Conley having an afro? Isn't that cool? <laughs> yes. looks so good. I see, PJ. Like, I told like, you. PK dropped an Oscar. Like, PK dropped an Oscar Gamble reference earlier this morning. So that's oh, strong. School. But Oscar right. Gamble's reference, uh, Afro was like way bigger, way bigger. Not like sort of, like way bigger. Right. Go look it but up. That took, it's not close. That took years to grow. Mike is just starting this. Check back in four years. Right. And the more impressive thing is that Oscar Gamble somehow wore a baseball cap. Oh, it was perched up there. Yeah, I agree with you on that. <laughs> and, like, how did he run? Very well. He's a good Salt player. Lake trending on Google, Oscar Gamble. That, that, if Oscar Gamble starts trending in Salt Lake right now, DJ and PK, you've really made it. Because I promise you there's no other reason anyone's searching Oscar Gamble right now other than you guys. But see, people, also... are, people are Google searching Oscar Gamble right now to see what the heck we're talking about. Because no one knows who Oscar Gamble is except for a bunch of old guys talking sports i think that if the jackson five expanded these a lot of these conferences in football have been expanding but if the jackson five expanded mike conley could be the sixth jackson you are on fire today (laughs) the creativity flowing you want nonsense i'm your guy maximum performance (laughs) stop the love you say maybe your own yeah, absolutely. There was nothing on late last night. <laughs> no World Series. Jazz game was done by the first quarter. NFL game was over by 9.30. Yeah, it was perfect. PK is at his <laughs> peak right now, ladies and gentlemen. This is peak performance. Well, it's you know what it is, Mr. Locke. It's just ABC, easy as one, two, three. You're getting booed by Johnny Lightfoot right now, just so you know. He just booed you. Do-re-mi. <laughs> hey, guys, you ever have a problem, I want you to know. I'll be there. I'll be there. That's right. what concerns me. Yeah. <laughs> just call my name. What other good things can I tell you about? How great it is to be back on the road and have interactions with players and know little stories and have things to share. Give us one little story you picked up on the road this year. What do you got? Boyan Bogdanovich has, last night, that was so great. Boyan Bogdanovich is walking out to do his warm-ups. He's, like, just strolling. Literally looks like he's, like, walking a European street. He's just chilling. He's got his little white cup filled with an espresso shot. And I said, Right before warm ups, every day, right before warm ups, have to have my espresso shot. So the Jazz travel with an espresso machine that's part of their like traveling group, traveling equipment. So they have the massage tables and all those things, and an espresso maker so that Joe and Boyan and their guys can have their coffee at the arena before games. Cool. 
Doubt they've got injury. they've got everything they need on the road. They're it, what a pro life. sports at this point. <laughs> you got everything you need. Uh, when does the play-by-play announcer allowed to go in and have his coffee? Uh, after all after the players, they, after they win a couple titles, <laughs> right? Then you can go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was a good. Let's I had that little tidbit for you. Um, you know, probably the most interesting conversation on a more serious level since last night was Filipino Heritage Night. At, um, Jordan and I had a long conversation about his ability as a chameleon to kind of float in and out of different groups and different style of people. And I mean, this is a guy who can hang in an LA nightclub and then be in an hour long intellectual conversation with Quinn Snyder and then hang with Joe Ingalls and then go grab a van and sleep outside for two weeks after the season until he chills out. Like he's, and then go to the Philippines and like be a rock star. Like he's just able to, and we were talking about how, his mixed race background has allowed him to do that. That, you know, he was really raised in multiple worlds growing up in a not great part of San Antonio. His dad was actually an auto detailer for like all the NBA players. So, you know, he'd see that world while living in a different world, yet at the same time raised under Filipino heritage and how he just had this kind of different life experience. And then we actually ran through the team. And interestingly, that's somewhat of a consistent current through the team is this kind of living multiple race life or in and out of multiple races. So Donovan went to a predominantly white school. Rudy's a mixed marriage. Mike's in a mixed marriage. And then Jordan's like, then you add in that the other guys are all from different parts of the world. So, you know, we're talking about something and Boyan's got a far different perspective growing up in Bosnia Herzegovina than he would, than he did. Then, and Joe from Australia is always asking me questions about things that, you know, are different of how things work and what the experiences are. And so Jordan says, you add all those things, and then the fact that everyone in the group has got a curiosity and a comfort level amongst them, um, and, and those conversations really, really flow. I think the interesting aspect of that is kind of back to where we started from a basketball standpoint, that you have this continuity that nobody else in the league has. I think it's maybe more prevalent in just their interactions, conversations, depth of who each other, how they know each other, um, you know, it goes to Joe talking about the fact that now for three years, you know, he and Mike are dropping the kids off at school together at eight o'clock every morning. And so I think that's a huge current that's driving through this team. But I do think it's uniquely, there is a, a mixed race thread through this team that, that I think adds to it that's interesting. Something and obviously I'm is, aware of with a, with a half, half and half kid. That is the key to all of our problems. Just get to know them, whoever them might be, and we'll all be good. Yeah, usually, or have, have ex- lack of exposure leads to fear and unknown, and that's a problem. We will leave it right there, David. You can go to Twitter and check out all the Oscar Gamble photos I have tagged you with during this interview. Oh, my God. You're a beautiful human being. <laughs> Padres. Uh, let's see. San Diego, New York, because he's a Yankee, too, and in Cleveland. So there you go. In Cleveland. I was a big Yankee fan as a kid, so, like, Oscar Gamble was really one of the most frustrating things I had as a child. And we paid him a buttload of money, and he was awful. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was a sports talk show host as a kid. Like I was, I, I used to get Yankee Magazine. How old am I? I used to get Yankee Magazine sent to me. And my, like, my wall was all sorts of Yankee posters. Um, my dad grew up in New York and you know pr- tried to brainwash his child. Um, <laughs> and Oscar Gamble and Steve Kemp 
Very, very significant disappointments in my lifetime. <laughs> he had some good years. He just had them before he got to New York. He was, a, he was, he was like a 15-, 16-year pro. He, he had a career. He did, Our, except for those four years where he got yeah. paid. And gosh, you know what we probably paid him? I'll bet we paid him a million. Mm. At the time, outrageous, right? Outrageous. Yeah. He was no right. Dave Winfield. <clears throat> Thank you for that. All right, there's David Locke, his weekly visit. You will hear him Saturday and Sunday night. The Jazz and the Bulls Saturday, the Jazz and the Bucks Sunday on the Zone Sports Network. Thank you very much, David. All right, DJ and PK, stay with us. Coming up, we've got, uh, we'll update you on the, uh, the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies. A uh, somewhat to significant level of belief in these teams. Who should you really believe in? Who's going to win Saturday? And who might take the L? Two and one for the big three last week, PK. What will they do this week? We will get to that next. Stay with us.